book of Hosea, chapter number 13. I've been studying the last couple of weeks on New Year's and, and New Us, and you know how all that goes. Every year you see people posting on social media and on church signs all over the place. There's, there's nothing like a new you in Jesus, new year, new me. What are we going to leave in 2023 and, and begin in 2024 and, and things like that. Uh, God kind of led me a different direction this morning in, uh, in the promises that He gave uh, to His people through the prophet Hosea. And this was following a, a very difficult time in, in Israel's history, a very difficult time amongst the people, in a time where they had decided to, to do everything but worship God, in a time that they had decided to, <laughs> to do everything but obey God. And, and not necessarily in that same, for that same reason. But this has been a very tough year. And me and Emily was talking, coming home the other day, and, and we don't have very many years behind us. Uh, I have right at 30, which at least six of them I can't remember at all. And uh, so I have about 24 years that I can recall just a little bit from the first few and a little bit more from the later few. And, and of those 24 years that I can remember, that I can recall, I, I've never had a, a harder, more difficult year in my life. And, and my dad mentioned, he said, well, just wait. Just wait. The more years that you get under you, the, the more problems that you're going to face, the more challenges you're going to face. But he said they're more rewarding that it becomes. And, and whenever he said that, it kind of stuck with me. The more rewarding it becomes. And I had a coach put to us like this in a, in a baseball tournament one year, and, and we ended up winning the tournament. But every game that we played, we 10-run ruled the other team. We never came close to losing. We never came close to, to even the other team trying to catch up. It was a blowout every single game. And, and at the end of it, whenever they, they gave us the trophy and they said, hey, uh, here, here you go, you won. And the coach said, how does that feel? They said, well, we won. But it, it never was a close game. It never was a challenge. It never was difficult. And so the, the victory wasn't that sweet. In my senior year, we played St. Thomas Aquinas, which Pine had never beat in any sport in any season ever in the history of the school. And it was senior night our last year, our last baseball game there at, at Pine. And we were playing them, and, and it, was, it was a prideful game is, is what it boiled down to. Is, and, and the score was 2-2 two to two going into the seventh inning, and, and it was tight the whole way, and, and we played hard, and they played hard, and we ended up walking off the game in the bottom of the seventh inning. And we won. And that victory was sweeter than every other game that we had played and every other year that we had played baseball at Pine. Because it was a challenge. Because it was hard. Because whenever we had finally won, whenever we had finally achieved that victory, because of what we had to overcome, it made the victory better. Because of what we had had to fight through, because of the work that we had had to put into it, it made the victory sweeter. And so many times, that, that, that's the way that our life, that's the way that our life in God is. If we, just, if we just sit back and coast through life, never really doing much for Him, then the victory is not going to be as sweet as whenever we suffer for Him, as whenever we work for Him. 
as whenever we live for Him. And the promises that He makes to us, they're not going to seem as full if we don't live for God, if we don't work for God. Here in, in chapter 13 of Hosea, verse number 1, When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. But when he offended in Baal, he died. And Ephraim was a leader in Israel. And he exalted himself above God. He exalted himself above the people. He exalted himself in Baal. He, he, he worshipped Baal and he built idols before Baal. And God took his life in verse number 2. And they sinned more and more. And they have made molten images of their silver. Molten images. Idols according to their own understanding. All of it the work of craftsmen. They say of them. Let the sacrifice. Let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. Israel began to sin and began to wander away from God. And began to, to run. That's basically away from God. They began to sin more and more. Verse number 2. I want to look at that just for a minute. Because whenever we begin to do wrong, whenever we begin to, to chase things in the wrong direction, whenever you're running downhill, how easy is it to stop and turn around and go back uphill? Whenever you take off running downhill, you take bigger steps when you run downhill, right? I mean, you, you leaps and bounds. It's easy because gravity is helping you. And as you run downhill, it gets harder and harder and harder to stop the faster you go. And sinning is the same way. The more that we commit sin, the more that we commit the same sin... The more that we run away from God, the easier it is to run away from God. The easier it is to commit that same sin. The easier it is to worship everything else instead of God. And in 2023, I feel like that was ever abundant in churches across the world. That, that people worshipped everything but God. That, that people began to, to wander away from God. And not just to, to wander blindly, but even to run. <clears throat> Away from God. Because they said we have better things to do. We have to us more important things to do. We have things that, that we can be taking a part in right now. Or we have things that we can be achieving. Or we have achieved things that we can be accomplishing right now. That to us are more important. Brother Dean, do you have somewhere better you can be this morning? No, sir. That's a great one. That was a trick question. But he said he has nowhere better that he could be this morning. Do you have somewhere better that you could be this morning? Do you have something better that you could be doing this morning? That is a trick question. If we have something better that we can be doing, then by all means go do it. Because if that is what is on your mind, there's a song that Trace Atkins sings. He said, I'd rather be on the lake with my mind on God than a church with my mind on fishing. Y'all heard that song? If you're in church with your mind on fishing, I thank God that you're here. But get your mind off fishing. It's too cold. The fish ain't biting. Get your mind off hunting. It's too late in the morning. The sun has done come up. All the deer's laying down. Get your mind off of it. Whatever our mind is wandering to as it wanders away from God is, is not worth it. Whatever we think that we have more uh, important things to do or we have better things to do or we could be achieving more or we could be doing this and doing that. Worshiping God is better. Worshiping God is more rewarding. Worshiping God is more fulfilling. And above all, worshiping God is more obedient. Because in our life, Solomon said that it is the whole duty of man. The whole duty of man. To live in God's will. To obey. To honor. 
and to worship God. The whole duty of man. And as Israel began to wander away from him, as Israel began to even run in the, altar, in the other direction, it said they sinned more and more. And they made molten images of silver. And they made idols. And they made all these other things that we could worship. And in our life today, there are so many things that we worship that take precedent over God. And one of the easiest ways to find those out is to ask somebody. And I don't recommend this if you don't want to be convicted. Because it hurts whenever they give you the answer. Ask somebody that's close to you. Whenever you look at me, what do you see as a priority in my life? Give me the top five things that's the most important things to me in my life. Write them down. Tell me what they are. Because from somebody and kids are the best. Because kids will be honest with you. Adults, they'll sugarcoat you. But kids will be honest with you. Because whenever a kid or whenever someone close to you looks at your life, they're going to look at how you value certain things. They're going to look at how excited you are. They're going to look at how fulfilled it makes you feel, look, become. They're going to look at how much time and effort you put into it. Ask somebody. In 2023, what do you think were the top five things that were the most important things in my life? Most people can ring family pretty easy. That's an easy one. Family's important. We spend time with family unless, of course, some people don't. But if we're completely honest with ourselves, God probably don't rank in the top three if we look at how much effort and energy we put into the things in our life. Work rings in the top three. Hobbies usually rings right up there in the top three with family and work. God usually ends up about four or five. Now we'll say if somebody asks us, Brother Brad, what is the most important things in your life? I'll say God, family, go on down the list. That's what I'll say. And, and you'll probably say the same thing, Brother Randy. You'll put God right there at the top. You'll put family right underneath that. And then you'll go on down the list with, with dogs and tractors and whatever, whatever that is. But if we are completely honest with ourselves, do we put more effort and energy into other things? Do we idolize other things? Do we focus on other things? Do we think of other things? And I'm not saying all of the time. The Bible says that our mind and heart should be on God and the things of God all of the time. And I understand that we do have to go to work. But whenever we go to work, we have an opportunity to live for God. Are we doing that? Or are we focusing wholeheartedly on work? Fitting in, making friends, doing the job, making money. All of those things are, are things that we prioritize in our work. At any point in time, do we prioritize sharing the gospel in our work, testifying at our job? Do we prioritize God in our life or do we choose everything else above him? That is what Israel is doing. Now, I don't believe that Israel is, is going around murdering and killing and fornicating with one another. The Bible says that they were simply worshiping other things. And to worship other things is to give other things priority over God in our life. Are we doing that? Are we giving other things priority over God? The easiest example in, in every preacher that I've ever heard in my life has always used it. 
So I'm going to use it too. They said we can show up on time to work, but we can't show up on time to Sunday school. I've heard that since I was 10 years old. That means we must love work more than Sunday school. No, that means that we get in trouble more at work than we do in Sunday school. That's what that means. There's a consequence for, for showing up late to school, showing up late to work. There's no consequence for showing up late to Sunday school, is there? Or is there? Is there a consequence for not giving our life to God? Is there a consequence for not uh, prioritizing Him? Verse number three. Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passeth away and a chaff that is driven with the whirlwind off the floor and as the smoke out of the chimney. Verse four is what I really wanted to get to this morning. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt and thou shalt know no God but me. For there is no Savior beside me. I believe that that verse is something that we can agree on. That verse is something that, that I believe in, and there may be very few things that everybody in this building can agree on. But we can agree that, that there is no other God but God. That there is no other Savior but Christ. We can agree on that part, right? Let's move on. Verse number five. I did know thee in the wilderness... And in the land of great drought, in our problems, in our issues, in our trouble, in times of tribulation, in times that we are hurting, in times that we are struggling, God knows us, He sees us. And let's jump down, if you would, to verse number 10. Well, let's back up, verse number 9. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. We cannot change yesterday. We cannot change last year. 2023 is all but gone. We, we can't mess with it. It's, it's done. It's in stone. It's set. It's finished. It is history. But from this point forward, from today forward, we can change anything and everything about our life, including how we respect, how we honor, how we reverence God. We can change how much time we spend in his word. We can change how much time we spend witnessing to others. We can change our influence. We can change our sphere of influence. We can change our priorities. We can change how our family sees God in our life. Because if you get asked the question, Mama, do we have to go to church today? That will hurt. I'll never ask my mom and daddy that. You know why? We went to church. We never ask the question, do we have to do our Sunday school lesson this week? Because every night we were sitting there reading the, baby, the, 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 the daily Bible reads. And on Saturday nights, if they didn't see us laid down with our Sunday school lesson trying to answer all of them questions, we got in some kind of trouble. Didn't matter if it was New Year's Eve. When New Year's Eve fell on a Saturday, you know what we was doing before we popped firecrackers? Our Sunday school lesson. I thank God for parents that raised me up that way. And I pray to God that I could prioritize him enough in my life that, so that my kids could say the same thing. Do they see us studying our Bible? Do they see me reading and studying God's word? Do they see me praying? Do they see me on my knees praying and asking God for help, for leadership, for guidance? Is that something that other people see in us? And I'm not saying that, that we have to do this all in public. I'm saying that people should be able to tell whether or not we worship God or whether or not we worship everything else. Your family should be able to tell. 
It's hard to be completely honest with ourselves, but we should be able to tell what we worship. We should be able to tell. Verse number nine. O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. It's all your fault. You did it. You turned away. You worshiped idols. You created this. You made your bed. Now you lay in it. God said, but in me is thine help. No matter how difficult the year may have been, no matter how, more, how, how, how crazy this year coming up is going to be, because I can assure you it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. It always is. It's going to be different. There's going to be things that we face. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be troubles. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be trials that we face that, that we've never seen before that we don't understand. And, and a lot of them are of our own creation, if that makes sense. We put ourselves in these situations. But God said, in me is thy help. Verse number 10. I will be thy king. I will protect you. I will keep you. I will help you. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities? And thy judges whom thou saidest, give me a king and princess. I gave thee a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. And the iniquity of Ephraim is bound up and his sin is hid. The sorrows of travailing women shall come upon him. And he is an unwise son for he is not, uh, not stay long in the place of breaking forth of children. And I will ransom him, them from the power of the grave. And I will redeem them from the death. O death, I will be thy plagues. And O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. Though he be fruitful among his brethren, and east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness, and his springs shall become dry. And his fountain is all dried up, and he shall spoil the treasure and all the pleasant vessels. And Samaria shall become desolate. desolate. For she has rebelled against her God. And they shall fall by the sword and their infants shall be dashed into pieces. And their women with child shall be ripped up. O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God. O Israel, return. We understand that we can't do anything about yesterday. But we can do a lot about tomorrow. And there's a lot of promises in this book that God has promised to be our king. He has promised to be our Lord. He has promised to be our Father. Above all, He has promised to be our Savior. But every single promise in this book is contingent upon our obedience. Every single one of them. Salvation is contingent upon your obedience to believe in Jesus Christ, to repent, to believe in Him as your Savior. That is contingent. You can't have salvation without it. And God said that salvation is free and that it is a whosoever will. But unless you believe, you cannot be saved. Every promise in the book is contingent. He said, if you want to live a long time, what do you do? Honor your father and mother, your days shall be long. The promises in this Bible, the promises between Genesis and Revelation, they are all contingent upon obedience. If we want to be blessed of God, the first thing that we do is we obey him. O Israel, chapter 14, verse 1. Return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Israel, return. Verse number four, I will heal their backslide. I will love them freely, for my anger is turned away from him. And God is telling this to his people, and today we are his people. And God said that if we will return, because we're fallen into iniquity, 
We don't love Him like we should. We don't praise Him like we should. We don't prioritize Him the way that we should. We don't obey Him the way that we should. We don't share Him the way that we should. Y'all all saw Bailey run up here a while ago. She had them butterfly wings on. Had glitter all over. Glitter. Last week she got one. She got in the car seat. Glitter. All over the car seat. Guess what? There's glitter all over our house now. You know why? Because she had a little spot of glitter about that big on the back of the butterfly wing. What if Jesus shared as easy as glitter does? What do you think? What if Jesus shared as easy as glitter does? We used to get in trouble whenever I was in school. All them girls had the, all of their makeup had glitter on it. So by the time they got through putting on makeup, they'd have glitter all over their clothes. And if, if you give any of them a hug, you got glitter all over your shirt. So you know what the assistant principal did? He went around looking for boys and had glitter on their shirt. Because he knew that they had been the ones hugging on the girls. And that's what he looked for because it's it shared and you can't get it off of you. A lint roller don't do it. Throw it. It's just got to wear off. Because it ain't, it ain't coming. You ain't going to sit there and pick glitter off. It's just going to have to wear off. What if Jesus shared in our life as easy as glitter does that every person we rubbed up next to, that every person that we laid eyes on, that every person who got within two feet of us got a splash of Jesus on them instead of a splash of glitter? What if Jesus shared that easy? What if studying the gospel shared that easy? Because whenever you have a, a crowd of people in a church this big and you turn all of the lights off and you, you board up all of the windows and the doors and I mean you make it completely, totally, 100% black, dark. Okay, picture it in your mind just for a minute. 100% black, dark. You hold your hand in front of your face. You cannot see it at all. And I strike a match right here in my hand. And I hold it. Can you see good enough to read your Bible from where you're at? Probably not. A match is going to put off a little bit of light, but not that much light. But if I get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer, guess what? The better you can see. So if we strike that match in our life, if we share the light of Jesus to everyone that we see, the closer we get to a military, I don't have to touch you with that match. But the closer I get to you, the more you can see. The closer we get to others with Jesus, the more they can see. We don't have to, to go up and, and hug them and kiss them and love on them and say, Oh, I missed you. You ought to come to church with me Sunday. We don't have to do that every time we see them. We have to live for God and our light will spread. Does that make sense? If we live for God, our light will spread. We can't help it. We can't contain it. And, and, and Jesus said, Who will light a candle and put it under a bushel? Who will, will, will receive Jesus into their heart and then refuse to share him with the rest of the world? Who would do that? Oh, Israel, return. Verse number four, I will heal thy land. I will love them freely. I will be as the dew unto Israel and he shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots in Lebanon. His branches shall spread. His beauty shall be as the olive tree. If we obey God, if we return to God, we will prosper. How many of us planning on eating cabbage tomorrow? Cabbage for New Year's? Nobody? For real? Black eyed peas? Black eyed peas? A few more? Okay. All of my life, I've never missed a New Year's eating cabbage and black-eyed peas for health and wealth. 
It's what it's supposed to be for. If you want health and wealth, the Bible says obey God. Cabbage won't bring it to you. It's superstition. Black eyed peas won't bring it to you. It's superstition. But just in case, I'm going to eat them anyway. It's superstition. It's not going to bring you health. It's not going to bring you wealth. But obeying God will. He will, he, <clears throat> he will be as the do. He will grow us. He will prosper us. He will heal us. And He will love us. If we will but obey Him. This afternoon, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the most important decision you could ever make in your life is to obey God and believe in His Son, Jesus, to the saving of your soul. And in verse number 4, He said, I will heal their backslide, and I will love them freely. And if you believe in Jesus Christ with all of your heart, if you believe on Him to the saving of your soul, if you repent of your sin, God will heal you. God will love you. God will change everything about you. A lot of us want to change our life and, and people to go buy gym memberships. And matter of fact, this is a big month for gym memberships in January. Everybody wants to buy a gym membership because I'm going to be healthy. And we're going to give up sugar and we're going to give up carbs and we're going to go on a diet and we're going to take care of our body and I'm going to give up this and I'm going to give up that. And, and I'll start the, the one-year Bible. Anybody ever did the one-year Bible? Did you make it past February? Probably not. Most people make it through January pretty easy. You get to February and you begin to miss a day here, you miss a day there. You get to March and, and nobody hardly makes it to June. Very, very few people ever make it to June in a one-year Bible. Matter of fact, a very good friend of mine told me, he said, I finally finished. I said, what? He said, my one-year Bible. I said, it's August. He said, I started two years ago. Said, that makes perfect sense. Because that, that, that's the way we are. Now, if we were to be reading something for homework, something for work, if we were studying for a test that we had to take to do with our job, if we're having to study to, to do the kids' homework because they can't figure it out and neither can we, well, we'll read and we'll study and we'll spend time in it, but we don't want to do that with God's Word, although God demands that we return to Him, that we acknowledge Him. He said in verse 4, chapter 13, that I am the Lord thy God. And this morning, if you'll trust Him, if you'll believe Him, if you'll obey Him, He will change this year for you more than a gym membership ever could. He'll change this year for you more than a new diet ever could. He'll change this year for you more than any kind of resolution ever could think about changing your life. And He'll do it all in an instant. But one thing that we often miss with God is the same thing that we often miss with New Year's resolutions. Anybody know what the biggest problem is with resolutions? It's one word. Starts with a C, ends with omitment. Commitment is the biggest problem with New Year's resolutions because people want to, they want to resolve to be better. They want to resolve to do better. They want to resolve to, to be more studious and they want to resolve to be more faithful to church and they want to resolve to make it to Sunday school and they want to resolve to live for God. And it's easy to stand up in church and say, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to praise God. It's hard to do it when you walk out those doors. It takes a commitment like no other. It takes obedience like no other. It takes discipline like no other. And it is hard like nothing you've ever done. 
But it is more worth it than anything we could ever achieve in this life. It is more worth it than anything. Obeying God is more worth it than anything. Living for God is more worth it than anything. Prioritizing God is more worth it than anything. And it's worth it for you. And not only that, it is worth it for generations to come. It is worth it for your kids. It is worth it for your grandkids. It is worth it for nieces. It is worth it for nephews. It is worth it for parents. It is worth it for friends. It is worth it for all of them. We have to obey Him. And my prayer to God going into this new year is that is that I could do that better. That I could obey His Word. That I could obey His Spirit. That it wouldn't be about me and what I want. That it couldn't be about pride that lives within each and every one of us, but it could be about Him. It could be about His path for our life. It could be about His path for my journey. It could be about what He wants, about what He desires, about what betters His kingdom, and not about what is good for me. Because what God wants is best for me. Does that make sense? A lot of times we look at life and and we look at decisions based on what's good for me. But if we look at God and and we ask God what He desires for us to do, what His will for us to do, God knows what is best for me. So if you could have good or if you could have best, which one would you choose? This morning I pray that we could choose God. Oh, we have a verse for song. We're going to ask for a verse of invitation. Someone has something on their heart, we invite you to come at this time.